we do, but we should never come before the King of Kings with um, no expectation. That there's no time with him that's wasted in any sense. No song, song to him, no prayer break, no adventure of faith, no um, disaster. Just, there's nothing. He just does not. He doesn't let anything go to waste in for us, and and that returns somehow to us in a place and in a space that's good. He turns all things for the good for those who love God. Even when it doesn't look like that, even when you go, God, how can you turn that? <laughs> and somehow he just does because he's God and he's great. And um, and I, I, over the last couple of weeks, I've been just thinking about the Holy Spirit. Would you believe it? And how much Jesus said this in Acts 1 Go and wait, and you will be clothed with power from on high. So it's after dying, raised, being raised again, ascending now into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave them the great commission to go into all the worlds. He told them to lay hands on the sick and see them made well. He told them to cast out devils. He told them to speak in another language. And he told them all this. And you realise that information. It's not enough. And he says to him, you go and wait. And it won't be only information I'm giving to you, but there will be a, a what would you say, an activation or a manifestation that always, if it's God, it should always lead to fascination. There you go, boom, take that out. It should always lead. If it leads you to a man, if it leads you to a woman, if it leads you to self-glorification, it's not God. The, all of his things always leads us to fascination of who Jesus is, what he done, what he accomplished, the supremacy of Jesus, the superiority of Jesus to any things that we can we can ever know on this earth. And he go and he says to them, wait, and he waited, and while you were in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came. You know, this is Father's Day. That was Father's Day. Um, Pentecost. Did you know that? <laughs> that was Father's Day. Because this is what I'm saying is Jesus says in, in, in not Matthew and John, he says, My Father will send the gifts. His gift. The Holy Spirit will come. Another. One like me, Jesus, in his, and one like the Father. He will send the gift of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. On this day, the Father of Pentecost gives us a gift. The Holy Spirit. Because how can we live this Christian walk without how can we walk without him? How can we, we, we think the things of God without the Spirit of God? How, what has he given us to actually be God-like on this earth? He's given us the fruit of the Spirit. So that when we're with one another and we're around people, that we should, we should have these fruits in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. That we should have these gifts in dealing with one another. But there's another dimension than just dealing with one another. Just a spiritual dimension. And how, what does he give us to deal with the, um, the spiritual dimension? It's another element of the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's gifts of healings and, and gifts of knowledge and gifts of faith and gifts of um, miraculous powers and gifts of wisdom. All these things that God has given us so that we can actually function the way he wants us to function as the church in Jesus. And, and I, I look at myself. I, I never start out there. I start in here. And I'm like, no, when was the last time you moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? 
When was the last time you prayed in tongues? When was the last time you opened yourself up to be used in the word of knowledge, in the gift of faith? When, when have we even said to the Lord, but sometimes when this thing is not in front of you, we forget. And then if we forget, we try to just live out of being natural. And what, what we do, so to, have, to give a word of prophecy, to speak is natural, isn't it? Like we can all speak. But he puts his super on the natural and it causes something to happen. We can all speak from the Bible, but when he puts his super on what we can do, then God, and it's like, and I've listened around the church the last couple, not here, just I've been with leaders in, in the last couple of weeks. And the amount of people that are, that are, like one of my friends that was in a, a pastor that was in a psych ward, like, wanted to commit suicide. And I'm like, how did he get there? How are we, you know, we're supposed, we're promising this joy and hope and strength and whatever. And I'm like, Lord, how, how am I there? Someone said to me about 2016, what did you get out of 2016 as you're coming into 2017? What are you grateful for? And I said, I'm grateful that I came out with insanity. That's how heavy that year was. But he's promised us these things. And I'm like, Lord, it stored me up to pray for us. That's what I'm doing. I said all that to say. It stored me up to pray. And the Holy Spirit starts something. And it doesn't only start something. It doesn't only initiate something. But he wants to activate something in the life. And where else could he start other than here? Where else can he start after me other than my family? Where else can he start after me other than my brother family, which is you and I? I'm like, Lord, yeah. I want, we want this, Lord. And I want to read from Thessalonians. This is where our Bible project has been until this week. And, uh, and in, in the Old Testament, we're reading through Second Chronicles after a minute. And it's just, you know, I'm reading the Bible 33 years. This thing never gets old. I don't know how it works. It's so stupid. That's the word of God. And you go, oh, yeah, I know that. Now read it again. Oh, I've never seen that before. Said, where was it? <laughs> was it hidden somewhere? And again, Thessalonians is like, let me just give you some background on this. And then we read a few verses and we speak for a moment. And then we land, we land where, where I believe the Lord wants us this morning. But this, this was actually the first letter written in the whole Bible in the New Testament. And it was Paul's first letter to a church. And he was on, he was after being, you read this in Acts, he was after being in, in Thessalonica. And, uh, and he, he started a new church there and he started teaching in the synagogue and people came to know, know the Lord and he, he started meeting with him. He wasn't there for that long before he, he caused trouble or trouble was caused because the word of God and the kingdom of God was being established. And when the kingdom of God is being established, there's a kingdom of darkness, darkness that wants to contend. That's what Ben was saying earlier on. There's a contention all the time for contending for, for the space where God is to be worshipped. And Paul gets, he, get, he got ran out of the town, out of the place, and there. Uh, and he was only after going from, he went to Thessalonica from a place called Philippi, where him and Silas, who this is, a, this is an address letter from Silas and Paul and Timothy to, to Thess- the Thessalonian church. He was only after being locked up in prison, do you remember? And then um, him and, him and Silas was praying and worshipping in a prison cell where they were locked up, and it was in the, the dungeon of dungeon, it wasn't just in a little holding cell, but these were cells back then, like up in the prisons now you have playstations and whatever you can get money left in in there you were dumped into a, into a pit and, uh, and this way you were in stocks after being beaten and he started to praise God and do you remember supernaturally the doors opened the quake, quake came, angels came and prison guards get saved, the prisoners doors were open, it's amazing what God can do with a bit of praise and uh, anyway then he leaves there and goes to Thessalonica starts the church, he gets sent he gets kicked out or he ran out or he was forced out wherever, or he decided to go. 
sorry, let me say that. He decided to go because there was places where Paul was being ran out and he said, I'm not going anywhere. So he thought it was wise for some reason to go. And so now he's writing this back. He was he was fearful for the church. He was he was um it was only a brand new church, it was only new Christians. It was like, well, what's gonna to happen to them? If they rent me out, what are they gonna to do to them? And then Silas and um, and Timothy, two of his, his ministry partners, came to visit and they told him what was going on there. And here was Paul's first um, part of the letter. Let me read it from here. Paul Silvanus, which which was Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks for, to God for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers constantly, keeping in mind your work of faith and labour of love and perseverance of hope in our Lord. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, knowing brothers and, sis- knowing, knowing brothers and sisters be loved by God, His choice of you, He chose you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you just as you know what kind of men we prove to be amongst you. Like damn little few uh, lines that full and jam-packed that like Paul was like when they when he was told by these guys what was going on, what they were dealing with, that the church the church wasn't gone underground, the church wasn't wasn't smashed, the church wasn't disbanded. You know, people said during the lockdown, remember the portion, the church is locked down, the church is never locked down, buildings are locked down, but the church is not locked down. It's impossible to lock the church down. And so like you can imagine, oh we leave now, the church is going to be locked down, they come and all this. No, look look at even these words that were that were mentioned. You know, like that Paul couldn't help but give him thanks, keeping him away. This is the first mention of that triune of words, faith, hope, and love. This is the first place Paul mentions them. And look what the faith, all faith produced work. That, like, that's what James was contending for in James. He was like, that's not faith on its own. Faith has to be, like, um, manifest in works and not just works without faith and Paul so faith always does something God wants to release the something of God that he has specifically for you to do on this planet if you have faith in Jesus there's always a work and then love produce labour it's like a lay it's not like God's work you know people go oh I know you're too busy and this and that look when you move outside of God yeah you will burn out because you can't do the things of God outside of love you can't you can do it but you won't last long <laughs> That's, that's why I, 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 I'm such a heartful. Like four pastors I heard this week that was on the heap. Some of them written off. And I'm like, you can't do this without God. You can't do this as just a labour. It has to be a labour that's impacted and infused with love. Because then it's a joy. It's not like, oh, I have to go out to pray this week, Lord. You get to. You get to serve him. And if you want to be reminded of where you came from, that's a great place to be appreciative of how you get to serve him. Because once you were in darkness, once you were hellbound, once you were in bondage, once you were blind, once you were a leper before God, your sin was a disdain before him, your self-righteousness, filthy rags. It was like, like, and if you remember that, then you get a chance to serve him, you get a chance to praise him. And this labor, and then what does then? Hope reduce, hope reduce perseverance. That's a word, isn't it? Perseverance. You know why they could persevere? Because the word hope in the Bible is this. It doesn't mean like, you know, you put a bet on in the bookies, like hope the horse wins. Or it's a 50-50 chance, you know? It's like it's not like 
Hope in the Bible means this. Because of the nature of God, I'm assured a good outcome. So in their situations, because they were being persecuted, I don't think this was a cute letter that Paul or a cute church that, that like nothing was happening um, spiritually or persecution-wise. Listen, if you're doing nothing for God, persecution and affliction is going to come. So if you want to get out now, you're best getting out. But where are you going to go? Because it comes. But hope, knowing that there's a good outcome for me, whether it's here or there, it's a good outcome for me. Do you know what that was the fairy tales when you lived happily ever after? And you go, that's just a fairy tale. In this book, this is no fairy tale. We actually do get to live happily ever after. The earth prince does come on a horse. It's all in there. And he does catch the bride up. And the bride does go to him stainless and spotless, without wrinkle, glorious. No fairy tale. But they could persevere through their affliction because they knew because of who God is there was something on the other side. See this bit here? This is just, this just pretty simple. Brothers and sisters, they're loved by God. Do you know how beautiful that phrase is? You know, when you ever hear it, it's, it's like I had to look that up in um, the New American Standard, because it's a literal translation. You won't read it in NLT or NIV, that beloved. You might see love of God. But the beloved of God was a phrase that the Jewish people kept for supreme, like, like those in the premier league of faith. Like it was you as the beloved of God, Moses, the beloved of God, Solomon. It was you as for the ones that you look in the Bible like there and you by the age of here Paul addresses the Gentiles. He says, no, you're beloved of God. Just like they were, you are. And this affection, this word that was only, and, I mean, and it was also you as beloved of God was you as for the nation of Israel. And he brings the Gentiles into this phrase, into this underneath this umbrella. No, you're beloved of God. You're chosen of God. And then he goes on to say, like that, when we came to you, this way we're landing. When we came to you, it wasn't just with words. It wasn't. We should never, ever, ever settle for just words. Just good words. Preaching of the word. Because the word we should push in and press in for a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that should follow the word. That should impact their lives. Because if not, this is just words. I remember a couple of years ago, I was um, I was asked on preaching this church for four weeks in a row. And, and St. Mark's, I was in at the toilet, I was leaving St. Mark's and they released me to go and do this. And the reason is, is because they taught the word of God for eight years. Without ever giving the people of God a, return, a chance to respond to the word of God. A chance to, God spoke to them, come on with the front just before God. Like this is a hard but before God, this is an altar. This is a place where people step out with faith. This is where people go, I believe God that you, you respond to movement. Can God touch you there? Absolutely. But does he touch you there the way you deserve to touch you there? Probably not. But he, he, he honors movement. He honors people going, get out of this. To go somewhere else. To be touched by God. And the reason why he called me, called me I, I didn't know at the time, and you can't say no, when you make sure you do an altar call, make sure you do an altar call, make sure you get people moved, and whatever. And what they were settling for, just the word, which is powerful, 
But there's also the word manifest. There's the word administered to our lives. I know where I got saved at an altar call. I think I could have said that seat on the 22nd of March 1999, Tuesday night, in the You need to memorize that. I'm telling you because when you get to heaven, they're only going to say to heaven, when the Lord can you get saved? And you're just thinking I'm saying this now. Someone got up and memorized that. I could have said, I was up in, in the stadium, up in the, up in the balcony. I could have said, okay, God, something happened when I knew. I've never been to church. I've never heard a song sung before. I've never heard the Bible preach. My parents weren't church people. They weren't even, they weren't even good Catholics. They just don't want me with And I said, John, I'm gone. Just the soil. And we went in response. And lives and generations have been transformed as a result of one moment. Could God have touched me there? God, I don't know, but he didn't. He touched me and there was moved. And Paul says, I'm coming with you. Paul says in another place, I'm coming with you. Not with eloquent words, Corinthians, but I'm coming with you with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now imagine that we are this confident in God that we realize that wherever we go, there could be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Imagine, because it has to it has to be something like this. It has to be the light. We're called the light of the world. Jesus says, "You are the light of the world." When I walk into darkness, whether I know it or not, if I'm in a cafe and there's no one that believes there, I believe my presence, because of who lives in me, affects the atmosphere. You probably wonder why people go mad when you walk in, or someone goes crazy. Maybe it's because you just walked in. Maybe because darkness just manifests in them, and you don't know why you're looking. Your woman just kicked off. Yeah, that's because you were there, baby. It's because the Spirit of God, the hope of glory, that's in you, triggered off something. Or do you ever get when people tell you the whole life story and they go, I don't know why I told you all that? It's the life. The love of God, the compassion of God, bringing something. That's who we are. I'm just telling us this morning, that's who you are. That's who we are. And if we don't even preach this stuff, faith comes by hearing the word of God. It comes and then faith does its work in us so that the manifestation of God is there. And there's all reasons why. Like, I prayed, when I got saved of course, people were dying all around me of HIVAs. Two of my brothers died of HIVAs. And we were going to pray for them. We used to go to the morgue. We asked for permission. Uh, Miss Cook, I know I'm not doing for you. You know we believe in the Bible now. Could we uh, go and pray for them? Maybe God wants to pray for them. We believe this thing. And we never got raised from the dead. You know where it got? Death after death after death. Oh, you used to say, if someone's dying, don't call me, you're gone. <laughs> and I know how that kills faith. I know that. I remember standing before God. This is all words and there's no power. I remember as a young Christian, that's why Achilles heal. It's that I believe God. And when he doesn't do what I want him to do, where I want him to do it, I get all ticked and I get all sulky and I get all like this. Like, and the only one that's in pain is me, it's not him. Because my sulking won't move him, faith moves him. And when I come back, I go, Lord, I'm sorry, you're God, I'm not God. Just that step of faith releases something new and fresh from heaven into my life. But it's still, what I'm trying to say is, I know we've all been through stuff and we've all prayed for someone and it didn't happen or whatever. But that doesn't mean we don't get back up again. That doesn't mean, like when I look back then, if someone would have gotten healed of AIDS, imagine what that would have brought to my home. 
I remember thinking, are you ready for a thousand people standing outside your door now? Have you got the... My head would have been fitting into this room. My ego would have taken over. No one would be dead. And God was like, no, I love you enough not to answer that prayer now. And I don't know why you see me brothers like that. It wasn't like strangers in some country. But you realise, no, God is God. This is what he says, look. But he came in the power and in the Holy Spirit. And that's what I believe God wants us to release in our church. We've been praying all every morning. You know, we pray five mornings a week for you. Do you know, I want you to know, you've six people that wake up every morning, six o'clock to seven o'clock, come to my house. And we say, here they are, That like when the boys send you a scripture, believe me, we've got that somewhere in a prayer. That morning or the morning before. It's not like one of one of these people that send you like a scripture one minute and then join the prayer change the next minute. Like they'll never get that out of me. That's a lot of God. If you go, I wouldn't be into that. People say, and then they send you a gift. Is that what's called? Something loud. And you won't get that from me because I don't want to spoil it. If God gives us something, if a song comes your way, it's like, well, feel that that's for you. That's how to bear it out praying in the morning. For you, I, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. You'll go get one up. I said the loads in there, send me out again. You're blocked because they send you the most darkest things. I don't even know what someone believe half this person. It gets me annoyed then, and it's hard to pray when you're annoyed. And we prayed for the gifts the last three weeks. Oh Lord, I'm living in expectation that the gifts and the movement of the Holy Spirit happens within our, in our church. And then during the night, we're in the prayer meeting. In Bluebell, and uh, someone was talking about armor clothes being talked about the last couple of weeks, and then this one was the last part was like the hem of salvation and, and pray without ceasing. I pray in the spirit and uh, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. You know, you can ask a hundred people that from different walks of Christianity, and they go, it means to pray in the attitude of the Holy Spirit, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I read that and it says, pray in the Spirit. When I was born again, and for a month later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was saved, bought by the blood of Jesus. And then I read Acts, told about Acts to people around me. No, yet they were followers of Jesus. Yet, but Jesus told them to wait for the power. See, the Holy Spirit in me is for my relationship with God. Holy Spirit on me is for you. It's for others. The anointing of God is not a read for the person. It's for as well to minister the things of God to other persons. And and then the other night we were talking about this and uh, oh my goodness. And then that faith element kicks in. Okay, like then who is who is we're all born again, hopefully. But we all were in that thing. And then I'm like, has anyone knows the movement of the Holy Spirit? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Anyone knows the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the salvation? Yeah. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit come upon you with power. Do you allow you to speak in tongues, moving into the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And about seven people put their hands. No. So they have faith to put up their hands. 
But now this person also has faith, has to have faith to step out and go, but God wants to do it. And I want to tell you, I'm not standing out it was glorious. Because God honored something. We prayed into it. Three weeks we've been praying this and praying this. And there was a woman there, you don't know her told her, and there, 25 years ago, she said, she's seen people praying in tongues and things in the Holy Spirit movement. And she says, I said to God, we don't ever want that. And you know what? God obliged. God obliged. Jesus said, I stand at the door. You don't want to let me in. I won't come in. It's all right. I won't do that. I'm God. I'll give what you want. But if you open the door, like, I'm in my friend. I'm right in there where all my kingdom was sitting stuck with you. And it's like, he doesn't force the things of God onto us. But he says to us in, come on, Lord, John chapter 7, verse 25, he says this. He stands up on the great feast and he says, anyone thirsty, let come to me. He didn't know what the feast was. The, the, the priest would come out with a big jug of water. And he was remembering when God provided for them in the desert. And he picked up the water and poured it out. And that water went into the ground and threw it Jesus says, listen, if anyone's thirsty, who gets it? The thirsty. How do you get fire? You desire it. You don't get it by chance. There's too many contending things for your, for, your, for your mind, for your thinking, for your faith. Just look how many things. Look out the door today, pick up the newspaper, ring your mother, ring your father, ring something, go home to your circumstance, whatever, and you can see things contending for the things that's really He says, if you're thirsty, come on to me. And I tell you, out of your innermost being, rivers of living water, rivers of living water, let's say rivers of river water, <laughs> rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being. Living water, living water, things, water that brings life that you won't thirst. Whatever you're thirsting for, he says, I will quench that thirst. That's what he said at the woman at the well. I'll give you water, you'll never thirst again. Like, what water is that? And then Jesus says in John, that was chapter 4 of John, chapter 7 of John, he says, Come to me and I'll give you the water. So how do we get it? We're going to. This woman says, I knew that Satan blocked her off. For 25, I prayed for her. I prayed for her. And not a moment goes. Not nothing. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Every time you pray for someone, you learn something about yourself. It's like, God, what are you doing? Like this woman. But we didn't know the Satan. You don't know. She's saying she wants to know, but she cut me off. I love her. She's my child. I bless her. But she hasn't got this because she didn't want this. And you don't know. She just says, it's how I know. She told me. She just goes, Lord, I desire this. One second can cancel out the second. If you never had any sleep, I live now just like this. I don't know how much she's saying. She's like, I'd love to tell you about this. supposed to be just to put out chairs for people. Pastor, he sent me text, no, I was speaking in tongues and he said, what does tongues do? What opens you up? Jude says, it's building yourself up in your most holy faith. And I believe God wants this for us. I believe with all my heart that 
this is God's plan for the church. Why? Because it's in there. What does Paul say? I didn't come with just words. Of course, we have to work that. This is the holy word of God in there in all of its ways, accurate in all of the things, showing us who God is. But if Jesus said there's more. And he said, If you want to, it's yours. And I felt this morning, like I said to Robin, Baron, and the rest of the elders, that what I want us to do when we to church is to give people every week, no matter who's preaching, no matter what it's about, to give you a chance to be able to come up to the front to say, God, here we are. And whatever He wants to do, not just this morning, but sometimes it takes a bit of pain to it takes a bit of pushing through. Like that woman was coming up. I don't, I'm not saying she was pretending she was thirsty. Well, she'd been up so many times and she, she turned off the top a long time ago. And it just takes time and it takes trust in Jesus. And it says in Acts chapter 2, in the last days my father will point out the spirit of all flesh. So he's not discriminating against anybody. He's not saying, well, you can have it, well, you can't. He's not. That's not who he is. He's not like, and he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is the language of the spirit. This is the language of the church. You would have visions and dreams. When was the last time we dreamed? Where's vision gone in your life for what God wants to do in your life? And if it's been stuck, He wants to move it. He wants to move it. And then, like, during the night we were praying in the pastor's prayer group, and we were praying for the church, and I had this picture over, just like in front of me, like a moment of a, of a, of a, like, you know the cross is like a plus sign. And the, and the cross, this way we come to the cross, the cross turns all of our minuses into plus. And once we didn't know God, but now we do know God. But it wasn't the cross, it was just a plus sign, like a mathematical plus sign. And the Lord says, I want to add to my people's lives. But I tell you, such faith was released in me. Next morning, I got up, man, you wouldn't believe what was praying over your life. God wants to add, He wants to add, He wants to add. Lord, take away what's not good for me. But He wants to add into your life. He wants to add the Holy Spirit. He wants to add His gifts. He wants to increase us. So that, like, you know, like, someone says, oh, the church is decreasing. That's not God's plan for the church. God's plan is to increase the church in these days. It's to add to the church. And whatever you need added, He wants. And things you don't even know what you need added, He wants to add to us. Every response is to step out of faith. Every response is to say, okay, Jesus. No one has even said what I think I need. But you know what I need even for I need. And He wants to give it. He wants to give he says in Acts chapter 19, Paul goes and meets people and he goes, when you, what baptism have you done? It's the baptism of John, John the Baptist. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They say, what Holy Spirit? And I'm telling you, I've got holy concern that church in order to say that sometimes now. He knows us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He even knows us. But he's busy looking good. I didn't even know this. And when Paul laid hands on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and he prophesied and praised God. He spoke in other tongues and other things. That's his language. And I just want to close my eyes because you know by now, it's not about people putting their hands on whatever. This is just how we were before God. And there's people with great needs here. People that needs things to move in their lives. The people that needs God to add. People needs the faith to increase. People need hospital appointments to be quickened. 
the people who need healing in their bodies. What's the Lord, yeah, take away what's not good for us, but Lord, your heart is to increase, multiply, break the eat and see the soul, all the animal, and add your faith, hope, and add the hope, perseverance. Jeremiah 30, just what the Lord says, and I'll leave some people. But the thing, those that devoured you will be devoured. He said, I would heal your wounds. You can read chapter 40. I would increase. I would bring joy. I would pass to you. And we just want to say amen. That's the goal of this morning. It's that we say amen. I've asked the trees to put on the side. I brought some oil with me. What's the oil? It's all my goodness. But in the Bible, oil was used as a symbol of being set apart. And I thought about set apart. What's, where did you get that word from? How, how, how does that feel? Yeah, it was set apart. For what? It was things set apart to be added to the purposes of God. <laughs> like, so Catholicity, they don't with this. It's set apart to be added to the temple. Priests, it would set them apart to be added to the priesthood, to the ministry, before God. And this is what I want to do. Just put a bit of oil in your hands and say, Lord, ask. Are you up for that? So, I'm going to call us all forward if we're going to be that shit because I am. But we all just come. There's no. Yeah, and pray because paired act of faith can cause generations to be transformed. We just say, Lord, we want you. We don't want anything of flesh, we don't want anything of man. We want you. And I pray, Lord, that as Lord, oil is being deployed, see the activation points in the Bible, one that is oil, one that is slain on the pants. As Lord, oil is added and hands that connected with God. That you would activate your spirit, Lord, amongst us, in us, through us. And that Lord, we promise all that we receive, Lord. We would make sure, Lord, we point people to you with fascination in our lives. And we come before you now.